Oh my goodness, it's Tuesday night, and again, that can only mean one damn thing. You are choosing to spend your night with us, and whenever you're listening to this, you're choosing to spend that time with us. We love you just the same, even if you're not here right with us. This is the Full Tilt Podcast Network. This is episode 184 of the network. This is the flagship program, the one and only can't be repeated, although they've tried. This is the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast. We do it big. We do it tilty. That's the way everyone needs it. And this is a time to tilt. A chance to reflect and look back at bad decisions, good decisions, good process, bad process, and do it all the fuck over again. Can't wait. I, of course, am your host with the most timeless hands. I am Tom Stipple FF. With me, as always, is at Jacob Sanderson. And with me, as always, again, may not be the most interesting man in the world, but I can tell you he's one of the smartest men in the world. He's our own at Big Billy FF. I had to bring you back down a little bit. He's uh, smart, but he's boring as shit. I had to bring Billy back down because I can officially announce the weekly picks have been decided <laughs> uh, with Big Billy's unbelievable uh, week 12. He has put himself 40 points ahead of myself in second and Jacob's coming in last. So uh, Jacob and I are going to have to be drinking whatever Billy wants uh, come draft day, I believe that's what we picked. I'm not looking forward yeah. to it because what Jacob put okay. Billy through last year was brutal. You know, um, Billy. Yeah, Tom's the one really getting screwed here. Where I, I, yeah. just, I like really put the screws to Billy, and now, and now Billy's gonna have a revenge-based mindset. Tom just gets lumped in with this. No, they're, Y'all they're are gonna be drinking room temperature milk stouts for the entire. Uh, oh, that's I don't even know great. what that is. I'm going to, I'm going to make up some rule where like I get to deflect one drink to only Jacob <laughs> and like, cause I came in second. Like that's a, I'm going to make up the rules as we go. Cause that's what yeah, I do. We are sponsored by the fantasy points media group. Oh, We're going like to go to fantasy. I'll make my com. own rules. <laughs> Hey, hey, invite me onto your podcast, play a game, and then you can make the rules, okay? Uh, and of course, we are also presented by Underdog. Wait, is Fantasy. this not my podcast? Hey, hey, the one where you get to push the buttons, okay? That's what I meant, all right? Let's not get too saucy here early. We're going to get off the rails before. Yeah, so anyway, I can push the buttons. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to like remove your privileges after. Oh my god, we're already off the fucking rails. Unbelievable. I I don't think we're often on them, honestly, at this point. Uh, but look, we have a big show today. We're gonna obviously, as you saw, if you've read or if you're just jumping in, we are redrafting the 2022 rookie class, and I'm excited to do that. It's been a great year for a shit class. Uh, it's been pretty awesome, honestly, in this weird year of football. But first, as I mentioned, we are presented by Underdog Fantasy. Uh, guys, as Billy said, help talk. <laughs> We're sending SOS now. The on the show. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Look, we are gonna give you our underdog pickums right away. Um, because again, we are sponsored by underdog. You can go to underdogfantasy.com. You can use promo code full tilt F-U-L-L-T-I-L-T, and they will deposit match you up to one hundred dollars to play everything from pick'em to playoff best ball and best ball mania come next season. You're not gonna want to miss out on that. Last week we didn't do so good. Daniel Vanilla Vic was not. Uh, he was more. He was more vanilla than Vic uh, last week. He did not cover the thirty-eight and a half rushing yards. We missed. Uh, Gabe Davis uh, over under four receptions that washed. I think he hit exactly. Uh, I'd mind four. do. 
Uh, Ramondre Stevenson hit three and a half receptions. Oh, that guy eight is, and a half. He you is should get playing, points for tripling his <laughs> He is playing out of his goddamn mind. He is. I saw a tweet today that said there's no reason he couldn't be the RB one. I was like, there's a few, but uh, it he's a he's been phenomenal. Truly phenomenal. Yeah. But this week, I'm going back to the quarterback rushing because I really feel like this has got to hit the Buffalo Bills, who've struggled a little bit, uh, play a pretty good New England defense. I'm going to say Josh Allen hits the over at 44 and a half rushing yards this week. Uh, I think he's going to do it. He's their leading rusher like every week, it feels like. Uh, two plays, he can cover that. I'm looking for a big week from Josh Allen. Unfortunately, that'll be against uh, Jacob, which makes me sad. Billy? Tom, Tom just looked at his phone. I was like, what's the first line? Uh, Allen rushing yards? I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not confirming nor denying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Easy one for me this week, uh, which is crazy to say, given what the line is. I'm going to take the under on Derrick Henry rushing yards. Uh, he say, His current line is at 95 and a half rushing yards. He hasn't hit that in three weeks. And he's playing Philadelphia who I think are going to make Tennessee kind of put the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hand a little bit more. And Tennessee is finding out that they can do that and still keep Derrick Henry involved because all of a sudden he's a pass catching back more and more. So I, I think his rushing is going to take a little bit of a hit this week. I don't think we're looking at that, you know, 150 yard game from Derrick Henry. Maybe we're looking at 70, 80, and he's also adding 40, 50 yards receiving. Uh, on the game. So I, I think this is a pretty easy one in my eyes. I could be very wrong on it. I apologize. Man, um, I as usual, I don't look at the picks ahead of time. And uh, while <laughs> I like my pick and I don't mind Billy's pick, I probably wouldn't play them together because I'm taking the exact other running back in that game, Miles Sanders, and I'm taking his under 65 and a half rushing yards. Oh. Uh, the Tennessee Titans have allowed 84 and a half rushing yards per game total to opposing teams this year. That is the third best mark in the NFL. Uh, they've generally been one of the toughest fronts to run against. Their secondary is suspect. What we've seen out of the Philadelphia Eagles, especially this year, is that they are one of the most proficient teams in terms of altering their run-pass ratio based on opponent's strength. We saw them play a pass-funnel defense in Pittsburgh. They came out throwing all over the lot. We saw them play a run-funnel defense in Green Bay. They came out running all over them. I expect they're going to be playing to the strengths of the uh, Tennessee defense, and they're going to probably be throwing the ball a lot more than they're going to be running the ball in this spot. I like Miles Sanders under 65 and a half, and I'd be looking potentially at overs for Philly's pass catchers and Jalen Hurts. Oh, you're just trying to manifest that AJ Brown game. It's really making me sick. I mean, if you think AJ Brown isn't going to have a touchdown against the Titans, um, yeah. Fair. Yeah. Revenge game narrative. <laughs> we love that here. Like, that guy's do... petty. Like, say what you want about AJ Brown, but he's a petty king. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> this will be the one game he doesn't leave arbitrarily with an injury just so he can play every snap. Like, he'll yeah, fuck he'll it with be... turn punts. He's going to be out there in a walking boot, running, <laughs> running nine routes. <laughs> returning yeah. kicks and uh, phenomenal all right that was that was our weekly pick and plays you gotta love that uh look we're gonna take a couple seconds uh break when we come back we're gonna get into some uh rookie process it looks like so sit tight hey look uh sometimes when you're drafting it can go really fucking badly uh i don't think there are some 
as many totally egregious misses when it came to actual draft time. But boys, I'm looking at our draft list and boy, it is a wild list. Uh, obviously, as soon as we put these top 28 together, uh, top 25 together, we immediately wanted to change all of them. That's how it works, but it's a countdown. It's a four week process. So we, we let it ride and there are some hits. There are some misses. It's important to reflect, Jacob, you are someone that is constantly fiddling with your, your process. Like your process is constantly getting worked on. I think that's super important. Um, what have you learned? What was your biggest positive takeaway from your 2022 draft process? Um, I think probably, I mean, this is kind of always a little bit of how I, I tend to approach things, but I, I think the biggest thing is just trying to really be focused on taking guys at the most appropriate prices in rookie drafts, especially when you're playing a lot of dynasty leagues. Um, you know, most of where I look back and I'm like, this was sort of the best result that I got was often trading back to the end of tiers, getting myself potentially access to guys that I didn't take a lot of um, at better prices, being pleasantly surprised, keeping myself open where, you know, if I'm in leagues with a bunch of like, data focused people i get a certain blend of players if i'm in a league with a bunch of more traditional analysts i get a certain amount of players i like you know you kind of end up in the wash and it gives you a lot of flexibility to work with i think when you look at you know how we want to be attacking dynasty or at least how i want to be attacking dynasty rookie drafts and rookies in general is like the value on these guys is changing constantly they're constantly changing to so many different inputs that I really do want to have my hand in as many pots as possible in terms of gathering that exposure, because, you know, a lot of, I think if you just wind up in a spot where you're really only taking a player analysis view of each player and you're looking at, okay, these are the guys that I want on my team forever. And these are the guys that I don't like, I love that I have opportunities where I get exposure to guys like Olave and it's like, Oh, this guy actually looks like a stud. I want to hold him or where I have exposure to guys here you know, like uh, I'd like a Dahan Dotson was an example where this guy I wasn't super high on end up with a bunch of him just at a cost effective price. And I'm like, ah, I mm. think this guy's like a pretty glaring sell um, right. when he was putting up all those touchdowns and nor, you know, I want to have be able to action that. And I want to be able to actually put that to work. Um, so it's a couple, uh, that's probably, I think the biggest thing that I would look at um, for others is like, yeah, uh, make sure that you're, don't be the one like trading up for your guy. I think identify the tiers where you want to live in soak up some extra value and give yourself flexibility to play throughout the year. It's funny that you mentioned that because I'm going to talk about uh, pigeonholing yourself uh, in a couple of minutes. Billy, what was your most positive uh, outlook for the 2022 class process? Yeah. I mean, first off, I want to give us some credit because we did these rankings, but prior to the draft. And I think a lot of these rankings would have changed immediately after the draft. Four weeks um, before the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did this well ahead of time. So Malik Willis at number two that probably probably would have gone down pretty fast. I think that went um, down quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, leagues. my my favorite call from the draft, and uh, this is something that I just got to take a win with because I was fighting this battle a little bit throughout the course of the draft process, was specifically around a guy that Jacob already mentioned mm-hmm. in Chris Olave. Um the entire draft season, it seemed like the the narrative around Chris Olave was treating the early declare status as a box tick. He's not an early declare, move him down your rankings. And mm-hmm. I feel like that a lot of that kind of comes from like 
the the results of that kind of change how we should approach this process in terms of early declare moving forward? Because Chris Olave, keep in mind, could have declared the year before and been a second round draft pick and came back and immediately was a top, what was he, top 12, top 13? I think you went yeah. 12. Yeah. He was pretty yeah, high. Maybe 11. He was 12. Oh, 11. He went uh, 11. Yeah. yeah. 11. So right after Garrett Wilson, the yeah. third wide receiver off the board. So like all, all of that like comes down very quickly to say a lot of these analytics, they come from a very strong point to say this stuff guides how we should approach a lot of these players. But keep in mind, all these players still have a story behind them because a player like Olave, sure, he, was a, he wasn't an early declare, but I mean, the fact that he could have came out last or the year before and been completely fine, I, I think a lot of that needs to guide how we approach some of this moving forward because a lot of that talent, and sure, that might get flushed out in the, the breakout age, the, the age-adjusted uh, production, all that might end up getting flushed out later on in the draft analysis. Sorry, I just realized part of my beard is like sticking down. It's driving me crazy every time I look at myself. Um, I'm going to go shave that. Uh, on air. Yeah, no. Um, I think we like the approach that we take towards some of these draft picks need to come with a little bit more nuance than just box checking, move on. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can dig that. I mean, I don't want to... I don't think we should change things based on one player. I guess that would be my take. Like, I think I'm fine with like adding him in. And I mean, he's a good, he's a good example in that there aren't that many, you know, we talked about this on the show with, with Scott too, where the yeah. difference between like an Olave and a Dotson, for instance, um, is like, there's a, Olave was, a, was an early productive player. Like he was productive by year two. And like what Billy's saying is totally right. Like if he, now, if he had been an early declare like Billy said, he probably would not have gone round one. So the profile would look a little bit different, but like in theory, if you just lop off his senior year from existence, he still is an early breakout player. He has um, high production in his first couple of years. Someone like a Dotson doesn't where he only gets those two upper threshold years when you add in the senior season. I mean, historically the early declare status has been a signal. I don't think that I would stop caring about it based on one player but I do no, think no. as we go into the name, image, and likeness era, it's definitely possible that we see more prospects that look like Olave. And, and it's definitely worth folding that in. You know, you get a new data point. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, I think it's definitely, well, it's not like we already didn't, right? Like I didn't have Olave and Dots in the same tier. So I think we already, we already do care about players who have early production relative to other late declares who don't. Um, I think like ha whether how we view those players versus the early declares who have similar production profiles, like I'll probably always prefer those. Um, I think maybe in, maybe the more interesting one would have been like him versus like Jameson or something. I think where you go back and forth, where you have one that's a later breakout, one that declares early. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not like I it's not like I'm saying like I think that we're doing it all right now and we shouldn't switch based on one player. It's just that. I also don't think we should switch things based on one player, even if we aren't right. Does that make any sense? No, no, I think, no. I, to sum it up, isn't it? You should just be less dismissive. I, right? I think it's dismissive from completely it's, wiping it off the board. I think it's. But I don't less think. Of, I, mean, I don't mean and, we're wiping them off the board. That's. I I think it's a lot more the, the way we treat a lot of these kind of analytics 
where it's just stat, checkbox, don't checkbox, move on. And like mm-hmm. there, there's less of an approach towards that specific thing. Like if Olave would have came out last year or the year before, second round pick, kept the same production and came out into the draft. I, I think a lot of his a lot of his value would have been very similar to what it is now, a year mm-hmm. on, or however long far removed from the draft we are. I, I think it's a lot more to say that um the the production from these players is more built in. Like it, it needs more nuance than just a box check. Cause sure. When we look at these players, sure, a lot of that production is going to get folded in. And I'm not saying we should change anything like in how we approach analytics. I just remember seeing a lot of people being like, Olave is in a tier outside of the top four, top five, however they rank those mm-hmm. guys. And a lot of people saying, oh, he's older. Oh, he's not an early declare. And I think that this is something that just someone who works with data a lot and sees a lot of this, it's very easy to just take that point, move on. And I, I think it's, it requires a little bit more nuance. It, it takes that human element away to just go, this happened, this didn't happen. That's how we should approach this player. And I yeah, think that's something that we should change as analysts. Being, being um, uh, less dismissive. I, I, I think you're right. I think that's, that's a great point. I guess I'm going to push back where I think that like, I think it's, I think any time that you're in an argument and you're and one person's like, well, we should be more nuanced. It's like it's always easy to come off as the most most reasonable person in the room with that opinion. Um, but then, like, we still have to rank players. I guess is my my thing, right? So it's like, I don't know. Would I do I think that Olave should have been ranked ahead of, like, do I think now with what we've seen? I mean, we're gonna do it in a second. Do I think now Olave looks like potentially the best rookie in the class? Yes. Do I think that he should have been ranked ahead of any of Burks, Wilson, or London at the time? Like, I don't think so. Like, I, I would I would fully stand by him not being in a tier with those three as prospects. Like, I think if we play it out with 100, you know, with a sample size of several different players, like, I would rather bet on the Burks, Wilson, London profiles than the Alave profile over the period of time. And if that's the wrong call, that might be the wrong call. Like, maybe we're fundamentally missing something in that profile. But I think that, I guess it's hard to change that. And I think it's like, we can say, oh, well, we should be more humble, but it's like, then how, how do we action that? Right. Like, do we No, but I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, how do we action that stuff? Right. Like, do we just, do we actually rank these guys differently? You know, I think we should always be building in the probability that we're wrong into how we play. Right. We should be open to yeah. trading down. We should be open to taking guys when they fall past ADP. We should not be crossing guys off our board, but in terms of like the actual ranking, like, yeah, like I feel pretty fine about not putting him in a tier with those three guys personally. Um, and, I, and I would defend that. Like, I, I think that, um, yeah, that's, I guess that's, that's where I would be, where I would take the stand is that there's almost like nothing Olave could do where I would say that he should have been ranked ahead of those three guys. I, I don't think that he had a better profile than those three guys, but oftentimes the guys that, you know, anyone thinks by any process has the best profile doesn't end up having the best career. So it's just, it's hard. So I'll say I'll say um, I'll start with my um, what what my biggest negative right because my biggest positive it, you guys summed it up pretty much the, uh, we feel pretty similar about what our positives are within the process okay more important than what our positives were I feel is our negatives and my biggest negative is that I 
completely. Well, I did what Billy said. This is, I, I didn't check the box and I let it go. And also to what you said, I didn't, I didn't diversify enough. I was really gotten to my own, I guess my own bubble, like my own stage. I stood on my soapbox and instead of, you know, maybe not taking sky more in every draft, I could have maybe taken a few more JMOs. I could have taken a few more Alaves, but I went, nah, I don't like Alave as a prospect. So I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to even try. And I think that that's a big problem that I have. I'm stubborn. I'm a stubborn fantasy football player. I know this. Uh, you guys know this. I'm stubborn as hell. So I think what I'm going to try to do next year is be a little bit more open to the idea of expanding my own stances on some of these rookies that are coming in. And I'm looking forward to doing that. So if you had to have your biggest negative, let's say, Jacob, what would your yeah. biggest negative from your process? I, I think that I should have done a little bit more of drafting, thinking about future market conditions. Like mm. I, I, I really, I don't understand why I took Jameson Williams in a single rookie draft. I think that was just moronic. Um, not because really? I don't think he'll have a good career. Like I think he'll probably have a good career. I just feel like, we had a spot where like he was not going to play football until at least halfway through the year. I didn't think it'd be this late at the, at the time of rookie drafts, but we didn't think he was going to play early on. And so you just miss out on all of those opportunities to cash out on like positive signals that don't even matter. And while a player is just burning a hole on your bench. Like I just, when we look at rookie value curves, we know that for the most part, rookies as an aggregate class are way more likely to go up in value, at least for temporary spikes than they are to go down in value significantly over the course of the rookie year. And so I think like taking Jamison ever, um, I think was just sort of folding an opportunity to take shots on skies, Olave's um, Pickens's uh, pickets and trade backs and trade ops and whatever, where I could have been uh, taking more advantage of opportunities to make deals Again, that's something about Jamison, the player. I, I think like what I should have done is be like, I'm just going to trade for Jamison later. Um, and if I can't, so what? But I'm just going to try and trade for Jamison after the season or in season. Um, and I would say that would also kick into like, I think like Olave versus like Sky and and Jamison in particular should have been like, okay, Jamison's not going to play. Sky's a lot more fragile in terms of the second round pick. Olave's a first round pick. He has like more insulation. Like that should just be where we're betting from like a market perspective. And then I think also like going into second rounds, like I was taking a lot of like David Bell. And I think that mm -hmm. that was like a fundamentally fine bet in terms of like a player to be on. Like I think his profile was solid, but I think thinking about it, it's like, where are we getting the value hit? Like the threshold for him as like a guy playing on a brissette offense for a long time. Um, you know, I think that's where, you're getting a guy who's a wide receiver who's going to play slot wide receiver. Where's the big value uptick there that we're going to be able to take advantage of versus like just taking more shots on the Damian Pierce's. And now obviously he's succeeded. I, you know, Isaiah Spiller did not succeed, whatever, but I think I should have been taking more bets on those guys with the higher market upside. Um, okay. I think as opposed to uh, some of these guys where I was getting too far into the weeds with the player evaluation. Sure. I, I love that too, because I, I definitely don't, and I've started to as this pod has grown and we've grown as as players to look more market heavy. That's not a focus that I had, but it's definitely locked in. And again, applying that to next season's process, I think I cannot wait to do our list next year. I think it's going to be great. 
and, and especially with applying that. We do have a question before we get to Billy's from Salt Mayor. Uh, if you're if you are totally risk neutral, is there any reason to diversify? Uh, I'd say yes. Well, yes and no. <laughs> I okay. There's reason to not take I'll players ahead of eight. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard that wind up. I'm like, Jacob's going off on this one. No, I'm getting, no, this will be very quick. I just figured out the way to phrase it. Um, yeah, the wind up is usually a good tell. I know. Uh, (laughs) I would say that there is not a great reason to take players consistently ahead of ADP. So if you happen to, to be in drafts with the same people over and over and over again, and the ADP is kind of falling the same way in your rookie drafts over and over and over again, then I would say diversification is simply a matter of risk preference. But I think that you can often passively diversify by just taking guys a little bit closer to ADP than your rankings. And so that you're naturally only getting guys when they fall to or behind ADP. And then you're just going to end up with a more naturally diversified portfolio. And I think that that's a benefit because you're on aggregate getting a little bit of excess value just by soaking up ADP value. Nope. Phenomenally said. I got nothing to add. I think that's great. I think the only, the only reason, uh, I, I agree. Like there are some players that come with inherent risk. Sky Moore is one of them. I should have diversified, which is what I said. I didn't. I just said, I'm going to beat that risk no matter what. At that point, you have to diversify. Big Billy, what was your biggest negative? Yeah, I, I think mine kind of falls. It, it's hard to say this was one or the other. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to list it as two. I think the first mistake I made, and I made this mistake the year before, uh, was not listening to what the NFL draft told me enough. Um, th- this is something that's really easy to do when you're looking at these guys for months and you fall in love with a player. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, the draft comes in, they just do not. And you know what? This completely goes in line or it goes against what I said my win was this year with uh, David Bell. Love David Bell. Love David Bell. I loved him as a prospect. You know what? He ran a little slow. He ran pretty slow, but whatever. And all of a sudden, he comes out, tests, and we look in the draft, and he gets day two capital. And we all want to be excited about day two capital. Check that box. Move on. But a lot of that... Like a lot of that hurts because David Bell was a person, a player that was looked at as potentially being a day one pick, an early day two pick. Mm. And the draft came in and the Browns were kind of sitting at the back of the draft and went, I guess David Bell, we need a receiver, move him. Uh, Like a lot of that is kind of hard to directly evaluate because David Bell was one of my guys moving into the rookie draft who I was Mm. leaving with every single draft. And following with the not listening to what the NFL draft told me enough, uh, my second loss, and probably the one that hurts me the most, because I hate when players do this, and I completely did it, was paying attention to the QB next to the name. That one really hurt this year. Um, I am famously on record after day two of the NFL draft (laughs) saying Kenny Pickett is the 102. that hurt. Um, I'm also famously on record for going into multiple rookie drafts and taking early round two to mid and late round two draft picks on players like Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, and even Matt Corral. Now, 
at the time, a lot of that made sense to me. Matt Corral seemed like he had a legitimate chance to get a starting opportunity. He may still have that chance. I mean, look at what happened in Carolina this year. That guy would have been starting yeah. for sure. Yeah. I don't know if he would have like, been any good, but there's a 100% chance that guy would have taken a lot of snaps this year if he stayed healthy. Yes. Yeah, like we, all, we all expected Ritter to play at some point, but Arthur Smith is going to Arthur Smith. I mean, yeah, I, think, like, I, I think that the reason Ritter's not playing is because fucking Tampa Bay sucks. If Tampa Bay was like, if Tampa Bay was eight and four, like we think, and Atlanta was totally out of the playoff race, like we'd, we'd be treated to some Ritter right now. But uh, with yeah. them, they're a half a game back because Tampa Bay can't win any games. Oh my God. Yeah. But I, I always complain about super flex players who are like, this, you know, Mac Jones, he plays the quarterback position. He's worth a top tier anything, like wide receiver, running back, even though he's, you know, Booty very, cheeks? very boring, you know, which is fun to say after coming off of probably the best game of his career on yeah. Thanksgiving. But um, like players like Willis, Ritter, Corral, it's very easy to go. They're a QB. They produce. They, they're going mm. to score more fantasy points mm. when they're on the field than players like Watson, like the players that I would have taken over him, had, over them had I made the right call. But if they don't get on the field, which should have been what was indicated by the fact they were round three picks, both of them to places that had already made severe commitments to a different quarterback, Sands, Matt Corral. I still stand by Matt Corral being a good call, but whatever. Um, like uh, a lot of these players kind of having to read them off as, you know, they, they should have done it and they just didn't get playing time. I should have just listened to the NFL draft when Willis wasn't the 102 and instead was the 330 or whatever he was and just gone, well, I was wrong and I'm not going to take them early in rookie drafts. I'll tell you, I definitely fell victim to the second round like quarterback. I took, I took some of the, I took Willis. I took Ritter for sure over guys like Rashad White, over guys like Damian Pierce. Uh, far too many times, and I actually, I really love that one. Uh, speaking, we're gonna... of the, speaking of the fantasy foot clan. Also, league, what's up, Husker? <laughs> up, I'm, I'm infamous in that league. I, I needed picks. I should have taken good picks. And I had the 2-2, two, 2-3, two, 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 all back to back to back, and I just used them on Ritter, Willis, Corral. Uh, oh, and I got Rashad um, White at 2-5. Thank you. Yep. yep. Oh, my yep. God. That's yeah. that's not just breaking down your, but that's putting it on the table. Not everyone does that. So shout out Billy for that. When we come back, we're gonna do not in our league, or uh, not in my league, and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna draft. I swear to God, we're drafting. Sit tight. <laughs> okay, for what is most likely the last week of not in my league. Uh, we like to play a little waiver wire game that I absolutely suck at. Uh, I don't even have any money to bid because I thought we had $200, not 100 because I don't listen that well. So look, this is what it is. We understand that your league is great. It's dominant. You are the best. You're the sharpest. None of these players would ever see the waiver wire in your league. You guys are three weeks ahead. You guys are picking up your defenses five weeks in advance. Hell, half of you guys are so smart. You don't even play defenses in your leagues because you're too good for it. These aren't for you. This is for everyone else. 
what we do is we like to take a couple of players off the uh, off the waiver wire that are available in over 50% of Yahoo leagues. Again, not your leagues, but over half of uh, uh, 50% of leagues, they are available to people to pick up. What we like to do is we like to pick players. Since I don't have any money, I don't pick a player. Billy and Jacob, they've already picked a player, and we are going to blind bid on those players. Again, not me, because I suck at this. Well, that's actually what we do every other week, but now I'm also out of money. Um, huh. And so I just asked right. Billy who he wants. Billy has like $13 left, and me and you have zero. So basically, I was just like, anyone that we nominate, if Billy wants them, he can just nominate $1 until the end of the season. So basically, Billy can just fill it with his lineup, and we have our lineup. Uh, yeah, I got I got Tristan Ebner sitting on my roster. Yeah. So we, we don't need the drum roll. Jacob, am I allowed to, for the first time, introduce my player? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. That is the I will you be get throwing Tristan Ebner, or as my football, uh, my Bears fan stepdad calls him Otis for some reason. <laughs> uh, I will be throwing Tristan Ebner to the wind. Otis. To uh to pick up uh Mike White. All right. So All right. the yeah. the quarterback Mike, the, Mike the fucking quarterback White. game with uh with uh uh Justin Fields has paid off greatly. So I'm gonna take Mike White. All right, and I should announce, by the way, that I had stopped counting after the big Fields games because I was pretty sure that Billy was just running away with it. Um, Fields has not done much. Well, two weeks ago he, he didn't he didn't do much, and then this week he didn't play, uh, and so. I might actually be getting a little bit back into this after the Garrett Wilson game. Um, so I'm going to have to actually tabulate for next week's episode <laughs> to let us know before we go into the final week of the regular season, where we're at. I can tell you that, uh, that uh, Tom is also probably gaining steam. He has Rashad white, Gus Edwards and Christian Watson. So he would have gotten some points from Rashad white. He's been piling up the Christian Watson points this week. Uh, and then I have Garrett Wilson, Latavius Murray and Kenneth Walker. Billy now is Mike white, Justin Fields and Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, I'm more just week 14. I'm more just pissed that I had I was having like an epic lead in to the bit and then it got deflated right away. Yeah. So like I was on I was on a WWE promo level of leading that bit in and it just immediately did like someone's music just cut in and the crowd started booing. Like it was that was <laughs> a little cut away. But look, I can't wait to get the point total. We're gonna do that next week. We got one more week of it, but that's not in our league. Billy gets uh, New York Jets savior, quarterback savant, phenomenal elite player, Mike White. Uh, bringing fantasy football back. I hope back throws to every single touchdown to Mike Garrett Wilson. Uh, I um, need at least one for Elijah Mullins. When we come back, we're drafting. Sit tight. We're fucking drafting. We're doing it. Sit tight. All right, so after some deliberation with two of the smartest people I know, we decided how we are going to do this draft. We have got – what do we want to do? We want to do one round? I think we yeah, – One please, round and maybe an honorable please, mention. I don't want to be drafting third-round picks here. <laughs> I want to make really draft that meant pick, to be honest. All right, we're going we're gonna to do the first round and a couple honorable mentions. And this is how it's going to go. We do two rounds, but the second round, we literally just say a name. Like we'll you see. Just go we'll like, see where we get. Like we'll see where like we get. George Pickens, and then John. Like you just, you just say a name. Well, I, I have my, I think rankings up to seventeen. 
That is okay, as we'll far see. as y'all are getting. We'll do the top 12, and we'll see how it goes with time. Okay? Phil we'll is going to start that. trading him for 25 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you Trey Sermon for the oh second. Oh, my God. Okay, and this is how it's going to go down. I'm a rookie named Trey again in round two after Sermon and McBride. Next pass the trade out. Oh, my God. Okay, look, this is how it's going to go. Billy, since you are leading in the weekly points, you've won it. You will get 101. I will get 102. Jacob will get 103, and then I'll go back to Billy for 104. Everyone can prende, and we'll we'll go as we go there. Three, six, right. nine, twelve. We're, we're each getting, yeah. we're each getting four here. So, Billy, redrafting the 2022 rookie class in a vacuum. Uh, this is not like with market value included. This is just in a vacuum with what we know now, applying what we know now to what we thought of the prospects to begin with in a vacuum. I just want to be clear about that. Who are you taking now at the 101? In the current climate, current climate. looking at <laughs> looking at these well, players. Has global warming affected your rookie rankings? <laughs> And the fact that I made so many good weekly picks so that I could have the number one pick here to have my soapbox and say, oh. with the number one pick, I am taking still Brees Hall. Yeah, that I think is, that's, I don't think that's is, surpri- that doesn't surprise uh, most people. Yeah, he's extremely young. He's extremely talented. He's on a team that clearly wants to use him. Even if he comes back next year and he's 80% of who he was this year, I think he's an RB1. And when he comes back fully healthy after year two, if we assume that's what's going to happen, he's still going to be younger than Najee Harris when he was drafted. (laughs) So, I mean, Brees Hall still has such a long career ahead of him. I'm so happy to take him here, number one. Interesting. I was ready for the immediate anti-RB take. Um, from Jacob, it looked like he was about to have one. No, I no, think, I, no, I, I think th- that it's, I think it's a good pick. I, I just, um, when the only thing I thought was interesting when you were like, I think that's easily who like we'd all take, whatever. I think that probably is who we'd all take, but I do think if you pulled Twitter, I mean, I think you'd see a lot. I of think there's a strong a conversation. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I mean, just look at the Dynasty RB one discussion right now. Like Walker's yeah. in there, Hall's in there, like. I mean, it, it's it's bouncing around, but I, I think Hall is so young and talented. I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I, I, I don't, it's not surprising to me, honestly, not at all. Um, Brees Hall's just fucking good. I don't think. I also, I'll just say, I don't give a fuck about the Dynasty Everyone conversation anymore. Like Etn hurt his foot again. If that injury was for like a week or two, people like. He's not the Dynasty RB1 anymore. He's Dynasty RB5 because he hurt his foot again. I think uh, that I right think there, the conversation, conversation you just had, is why Jacob isn't drafting Jamison Williams ever again. Like, yeah, so like, much shit happens. Right, that's like, I want to just take advantage of the lunacy. Right, yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. I want to ride this roller coaster uh, mm-hmm. and have the opportunity to take advantage but, of the craziness. But the pure arguments, especially if you get into like the Twitter debates about who the one is, who the two, I think it's, I think it's all dog wash, in my yeah. opinion. It, that, it, it's life. tears only. If I were going to go one oh two, look, this is go this, this is this is interesting because if you look at if you look at how what my opinion was to what it is now, I'm a little embarrassed to say it. I'm taking Chris Olave at one oh two. Um, he's he's an alpha receiver. 
I think that he's shown that. I think he's done everything he could possibly do. He's doing it with less than amazing quarterback play, to be honest with you. He, I thought maybe he would be the outside guy. I thought maybe he would be just a deep guy. No, nah, he's a do-everything guy. He is a, He's red zone. He is what he is, which is elite. He's run 336 routes. He has the best PFF receiving grade. He's averaging 14.2 points per game, highest in this rookie class. Uh, just down the, just down across the board, elite player, and not just for a rookie, as just a general wide receiver. Um, I hate to be the situation guy, but Atlanta scared me off of Drake London at 102. And I just, I prefer Chris Olave to even Garrett Wilson, who I understand is playing in a hellscape. I get it. But my 102 right now in a vacuum is Chris Olave. I think that is a totally fun pick. Uh, at the 103, uh, you made right, my life right a little bit that. easier. Uh, I'll take Kenneth Walker uh, at the 103. Oh, I, mean, it's just an, I was so, wrong. Yeah, I mean, so it's the hard thing with the in a vacuum. Okay, like, I don't know how long this vacuum yeah. extends for. Um, That's at the bottom of the show sheet. If this was a if this was a world where it's like I can never make trades for the rest of time in Dynasty, <laughs> um, then maybe I'd think long and hard about Garrett Wilson and Drake London here. But my assumption is like at some point in my life I'm going to be able to allow to make trades again. I exit the vacuum and back into the climate, and you I just think find in a way to how, that in there. In terms of how Dynasty managers. Um, operate you know when we have a rookie running back who's shown what he's shown and I've outlined my concerns with Kenneth Walker before he still has provided on that really positive rushing value he's shown at least a little bit in the passing game not not a lot but he's shown a little bit uh, especially in that Tampa Bay game and that's helped buoy a season long up to sort of workable levels it's just going to be easier to use the running back value however I want to do it and ultimately I don't like holding a lot of roster value in young wide receivers and running backs that aren't providing me elite production anyway. I ideally want to pivot that production into picks. I want to pivot it into veterans that are scoring more. I want to pivot it into quarterbacks and tight ends. But in terms of who's going to give me that maneuverability and who I think solidly is a good long-term bet, like I don't think he's a fragile bet. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, I'm going to ride with Kenneth Walker. That's interesting, man. I like him. He has some... But sum up kind of what I've seen on the on the bird app. Like he has some absolute elite upside play. Then he also has the can you fucking run forward? Like there's just sometimes you're like, can you just go that way and not this way? There's something to that. And I want to also shout out a little bit of Geno Smith for help pumping that Seattle offense up. Because if that offense Seattle backfield. Yeah, if I really think if Geno Smith would have like just fallen completely flat on his face, I think Kenneth Walker's dynasty value is more to what Damian Pierce's is than what he is now being moved up somewhere like the one Oh three. I just, I think that we're living in a world of variables and that was a fucking big one. So shout out him. All right. Next up, Billy, if unless you have anything to add one Oh four, baby. No, I thought I was going to get to take Kenneth Walker. So that was a little bit of a bummer. So I get to take Jacob's boy. Uh, I'm going to take Garrett Wilson. I mean, okay. starting off the season, I viewed him as a very similar level prospect to Drake London. And mm-hmm. um, they both had bad quarterback play. Wilson has shown out. London hasn't. Like, I, I'm more than happy I take Wilson over London right now. And the rest of this wide receiver class, really, outside of probably Olave. I mean, Olave is – I think right now I would still take Wilson over Olave. Um 
but I mean, it's it's pretty close. Like I think it's a clear top four here. We we were talking previously in the draft when we first did this. It was like one hundred and one, then a tier break. It feels like that tier break is kind of spread out a little bit and taken in Olave, Wilson, and Walker, and maybe someone else depending on your your takes. But with that, I got to defer my one hundred and four over to the one hundred and five yeah. for Miss Thomas, Mister Thomas Tipple. All right. Uh... This might seem crazy. Remember, this <laughs> is a super flex draft. And what we look for oh, is quarterback value at this draft. And for a player that I took a giant shit on the whole time, I'm going to take Kenny Pickett. Uh, oh, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I'm going to take Kenny Pickett. Uh, we, we want a little bit of rushing on top of our, our passing. Kenny Pickett's passing volume since taking over. He has had games of, Sure, 13 attempts in his first game. His second game, threw the ball 52 fucking times. He went 13, 52, 18, 44, 38, 30, 42, 28. They are letting the kid throw the football, and he is producing. He has had three rushing touchdowns already, uh, which we absolutely love to see for fantasy value. Obviously, we talk about it all the time. He's even accumulated almost 200 rushing yards. The man is not just being a pylon. He's providing... That little bit extra. He's he's right that he's at Trevor Lawrence level rushing upside at this point, honestly. Really, when you break it down. And he is getting better. That offense isn't even as bad as we thought it was, at least certainly not as bad as it was with Mitch Trubisky. I think that his value is insulated at this point. Uh the draft capital, how he's performed. I get that he's ancient in terms of rookie quarterbacks, but I think that he's deserved a value bump. And I think some of his best games really go ahead and show that he's been a, a mid range QB two most of the season with one QB one finish. And I think that that's more than we can ask for QB 18, 19, 25, not great. 17, 27, not great, but 12, 16, and then 25 against your Indianapolis Colts. But I think with the depleted offensive line a, a broken down running back and a mess of receivers to where they had to move a guy like Claypool midway through the season, when he didn't get a full season to start, I I like Kenny Pickett, and in a vacuum, I think he should have gone higher than he did. So my 105 is Kenny Pickett. Pickett I follow, think, falling from 102 to 105. Love to see. I it. think I think <laughs> that Tom plays in a league with me where I have Kenny Pickett, and I think that you should trade for him in a draft, homie. Not after, and especially <laughs> when I know who I'm trading for or trading with. Um, yeah. So I will, I'm pumped that I get to do this at one six. I thought I was going to have to make a pretty tough pick, but I will run to the podium and select Drake London at the one Oh six. Oh, thank um, God. This is great. Uh, yeah. This to me is, is a really easy pick. I considered him at the one Oh three. Um, I'm thrilled to get him at the one Oh six. I, I think the Atlanta offense has been unlike really much that we've seen over the last decade of NFL football in terms of their passing volume. And it's greatly obscured. I think even more than people already know how we should be viewing their assets in terms of targets per route run. Drake London's at 0.233. That's third in the class. It's only trailing Chris Olave. And then it's 0.003 behind Christian Watson. So he's basically practically tied for second in target earning. His PFF grade is third highest in the class, 76.8. That's a really strong grouping in terms of up and above 75. He's only behind Olave and Garrett Wilson there. It's really been a matter of efficiency. It's been a matter of pass volume where he's not scoring as much as those other top two guys. 
but he has clearly been the third most impressive over the course of the season at worst among the rookie wide receivers. And in my view, it is still a clear tier of three before we get to any of the other rookie wide receivers. Um, I, I would take Drake London at least in the, at least at five. I think it'd be a coin toss for me between him uh, and Wilson, but I definitely pumped to take him here at, at the one Oh six. 100%. I like it. I like the pick. I'm, I know people are worried off on him, and if Mariota comes back, kind of the, I think he, in a weird kind of way, I think he follow, kind of follows the Jamison Williams conversation, where you can you could definitely get him cheaper now than you did when he was the 102. He's definitely actually acquirable at this point. You know, so, I would, uh, in theory, the most, in theory, man, if I tried. <laughs> I, I think i mean i have a lot i think i have him in like eight or nine leagues and i've and in the other 40 i i've sent an offer and but every week i try again and and i will try again this week you're gonna keep trying i love it I Billy? Keep trying. yeah this, this one this one i really like to take because i love <laughs> how much this player has risen over the course of the season uh because it was really funny watching him get taken almost exactly at the 107 in rookie drafts. Everyone's like, oh, shit, they took him there. Uh, so I'm going to take the guy I was the highest on amongst our entire group in the rookie draft. I'm going to take George Pickens here. I, I think he's one of the players that has shown out more and more. He, he's, I, I know, so I know, much. I know. Uh <laughs> He, he's a human highlight reel. The team is clearly comfortable enough moving away from to send Chase Claypool off to not be used in Chicago and to kind of use Pickens more than Deontay Johnson. I mean, as much as we want to jump on the, this train. But their targets, okay, but what do you mean use more? Like Deontay has 94 targets. Pickens has 57. I like it's, yes, I, I agree with that. It's like a lot but, more. Let, let, every time a stat line comes out, Pickens is always a lean receiver on that team. Like, no one thinks Pickens doesn't lead in his expected points, which Jacob likes to point out every single time Deontay Johnson either catches a pass or okay. gets a target. Like, I, I, we can go into this Pickens discussion all we want. I, I get yeah, that there is other guys in this draft class. I was, I was very happy you took London because I view. Like these next three wide receivers, I view very similarly in my eyes. I think there's certain levels of has shown it and haven't shown it between players like Pickens, Burks, and Watson. And I I think Watson, you can jump on and say, oh, he's been great, but it's all touchdowns. That's not going to continue. And the Packers seem like they're on the decline. I think Pickens has shown out as a player that can turn into that alpha in the league. He's on a team that is developing and building around a young quarterback. And I mean, players like Burks, I, I don't see the situation changing so long as Derrick Henry is still doing what he's doing. And the dude is Yeti. So I, I'm more than happy to take Pickens here. Just so we're clear, Deontay Johnson has more targets, more catches, more fantasy points, and five less yards than George Pickens this year. Yeah, and Pickens did that in like he he was but, not involved in the offense until week four. Uh, like he wasn't getting right, targeted. I'm just saying when you're saying every stat line we look at, George Pickens is ahead. Like the only stat line he's, he's touchdowns two to zero, um, and and yards he's he's leading by five yards. Okay, let let me reassess yeah. what I meant 
Because I knew what I meant. You're anything, right. anything George Pickens triggers Jacob. And no, I love no, 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 no. Jacob, Jacob is right. Let me reassess what I meant. In the time since we have seen the takeover of Kenny Pickett, we have seen over and over again, George Pickens is his favorite piece of that offense. And more and more we're seeing that is where the best production has come from in that offense. Yeah. And I think if that's his favorite. Why isn't he targeted more? Because when you get like, look, we can continue this discourse later on. I want to. Like, we, do it. we have an no, entire let's, let's rookie draft. Well, like, well, we, we have an entire rookie draft. Okay, but I just like, I this Pickens thing, like, right, but we're on pick seven of it. We're only doing first round. Like, let's let's talk about the Pickens thing. Like, I, I understand that he's like a good NFL player. And I don't even think that it's totally insane to pick him here or anything like that. My, what I just don't understand with the Pickens is that, is like, I feel like people have incepted a false narrative of what's happened where it's like, this is Pickett's favorite receiver, but like favorite in which way, like he's, he doesn't get thrown the ball more. Like he, he has less targets than Deontay Johnson, like by a, a considerable margin. So I, I, I think if we want to say, okay, we've seen more Pickens on film that's been positive this year. We'll get to we your question in a minute. Deontay mentioned. Johnson has, you know, structural systemic issues of inefficiency, like whatever, everybody's free to have those takes. Or if we think also for the record, like I don't think that it's incumbent upon Pickens as a rookie to have to earn more targets than Deontay Johnson, a year four player in his first year. I don't, I think that's like a false standard. The only reason I'm bringing up the, the Deontay Johnson versus Pickens thing is I've seen so many people call Pickens the wide receiver one there when by like any statistical account, that's just not the case yet. It, it may okay, be so case. I think I think so, if you okay. want my hold on, if you want my honest take, your priors on Pickens shines through a little bit when it comes to talking about him. But his stats are I, good. Okay, let, let me, Deontay Johnson. Deontay guys, Johnson. I'm the other guy on this yeah. debate here. <laughs> yeah, but I'm right. no, nah, I'm I'm taking the back seat. I'm chiming in now. Deontay Johnson has been dog shit too. So, so look, I think okay, I guess seen, depends what you care on, about. He earns targets. What, when people are when people are talking about what they want in a receiver, it's not uh, nine yards per reception, completely awful after the catch. They want big alpha type plays, winning downfield, and and uh, Pickens provides that. But why do people? But that's bad. People should want like people should look for. Yeah. <laughs> okay, look. All right, let let me jump in because no, I, I think it. I think a lot of this narrative changed very drastically when Kenny Pickett took over. Look, yes, Deontay Johnson has more targets. That's fine. We can very easily make the argument that Kenny Pick or oh god, their names are too similar. George Pickens' uh, targets are more efficient. Uh, that's very easy to look at. He's getting targeted more downfield. Deontay Johnson, the first three weeks, was targeted 12, 10, and 11 times. After that, since Kenny Pickett took over in week four, he has not hit double. He has only hit double-digit targets twice. That that's right away we can see, and we can also see in that immediate time a direct uptick in George Pickens' targets. Look, George Pickens does not need more targets to outscore Deontay Johnson. Like you said, he doesn't need to outscore Deontay Johnson. He's 21, brand new to the league. But mm. I mean, take out those three weeks that George Pickens sucked to start the year. I mean, he is. According to Sleeper, look, Sleeper builds rankings based on whatever. In PPR leagues, he is one point, one ranking behind Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is wide receiver 41 and or 40, and Pickens is 41. Like, 
even if Deontay Johnson is getting more targets, that's fine. The team had, was built around him. Like Deontay Johnson got paid. Like this is Deontay Johnson's offense. And Pickens, as a 21-year-old, has already developed as a player that is taking away from that from his immediate time starting in the offense and has sent Chase Claypool off to Chicago. Like the team has immediately realized they don't need these other kind of assets around him because mm. Pickens is breaking out in every single game he plays. Like it, it's really easy what, to go. By what metric? Like just like making cool catches. Like this is what I don't get. Like if we're like I posted everyone's targets per route run, yards per, yards per route run, routes, PFF grades, points per game for this whole class. George Pickens is at 0.147 targets per route run, 1.25 yards per route run. That's lower than, like, remember we talked about Olave, Wilson, London, we're all 0.22 and above. Burks is 0.22. Christian Watson, 0.24. Wandale Robinson, 0.23. Freaking Sky Moore, 0.21. Romeo Dubs is higher. We have Alec Pierce is earning a higher degree of targets per route run, more yards per route run than George Pickens. Like, this is what I don't understand. Like, if he's, I understand that he has very aesthetically pleasing catches, that when we watch him, that he looks good. I think that he's an NFL player. But in terms of earning targets and in terms of yards when he's on the field, He's doing it at a lower rate than every single rookie wide receiver in this class, except for Jahan Dotson, David Bell, and Tyquan Thornton. And so that just is alarming to me in terms of how highly he's being valued. Okay. Where I think that the progression that we think there's reasonable, there are reasons to think that he's going to progress into a player that is eventually commanding targets and earning yards. But he is priced as though he's already doing it, and he's being taken ahead of players who are already doing it that are also rookies. Like, it's not really about Pickens versus Deontay Johnson. But it's about Pickens versus Burks or Pickens versus Watson. And I would prefer to play the players that are performing significantly better. Look, I what about I, Pickens higher points per game than both London and Traylon Burks. First, first I want to immediately jump in and say Jacob clearly has more data pulled on this because I wasn't prepared to get into a George Pickens debate here today. Jacob so, lives for it. It's in his blood. Yes, and also we do still have a full draft to do, but like may- maybe this is something we need to talk about again on a different oh, show. That we're wait. directly. I'll talk you know about Pickens all Hold day. On. Eddie, do you show. know, do you know what I'm smelling? Uh, uh, I uh, yes. people oh, the RTDB of George Pickens next week. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, okay, that's in the books. People v RTDB <laughs> on George <laughs> Pickens. It's in the books. It's already there. I'm going to make my next pick. Uh, that that might have to wait because I think we're missing weeks. That's true. Uh, you know what? We'll do it. We'll make sure to schedule that for the off season. Yes. Yeah, that'll be an off season. Debate. It'll be a good off, and that'll give us more. Can we answer Penguin's question. Uh, would you rather have yeah. Rashad White or DeAndre Swift for the rest of the season? If you're White, rest if you're of playoff season. locked. I'll take White rest, of, or I'll take Rashad rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, love it. Um. I still think Swift is good. I just want that noted. But uh, this last week, I was really hoping to see something. And Jamal, I th- I swear they are set on Jamal Williams breaking the rushing touchdown record. I think that that conversation has been had in the building because it is, it's infuriating. I don't think he's close. Is he? He's on pace. He's currently on pace to break records. Yeah. Um, like, will, oh will, man, will Billy like will Billy come to Canada and murder me if I talk about Swift for twenty seconds? Please I talk about know. Swift. 
Okay. Uh, Why would I, I, I murder you? Up, well, you really wanted to finish the rest of the rookie draft. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm more this is saying why I wanted uh, to start earlier. Uh, this is it. I'm more saying you and me can go back and forth on these guys for 30 minutes. Like we right. we need to. The people um, want it. Swift, yeah. So I put out a big tweet thread on Swift. I'm sure you can find it after the Thanksgiving game if you want to uh, name search it. Basically, I I it was my first time that I got to watch like a Lions game in full, not just like on Red Zone or seeing highlights, etc. And so I was really trying to focus in on not just like the total number of snaps, but like. And not even just the deployment in terms of when they're used, but like what actual concepts is Swift a part of versus what concepts isn't he a part of? Because I'm really trying to hone in on like, if I were a coaching staff and I try to put myself in the two potential mindsets, A, I don't really like this running back anymore. B, I think that this guy is kind of hurt and we're going to use him to the extent we can. How would I try to use him? And what I saw out of Swift, I thought was really positive in that game. When he was on the field in passing situations, he was continually getting creative running back passing usage he was running angle routes he was running wheel routes he was running choice routes he wasn't just like an outlet leaking out into the backfield when it was a pass blocking situation or an outlet situation that was usually justin jackson coming in and swift was getting the more intentional usage he was also getting used more inside the 20 yard line than justin jackson whenever they wanted to run concepts that involved him versus when they were doing short yard of rushing it was usually jamal williams and then in terms of in the run game, you know, when his carries, they were usually tendency breakers coming out of shotgun formations, things to get him around the edge. And then lastly, when they had their comeback drive, he was playing almost every single snap in the passing game in that comeback drive, and he was getting targeted relentlessly. So basically, my take is, I think if the Lions actually hated DeAndre Swift, they would not give him the most intentional, focused, fun touches on an important football game. They would not give him two-point conversion plays. They wouldn't send him in a bunch of creative routes. I think that his shoulder probably has limited hits that it can take right now, and he can't get surgery, and so they're using him in a careful fashion. If you watched him, there's one at – I think it's at uh, – I had it noted down. It might be 13, 15. In the second half, there's a play from the six-yard line where it's a wheel route. He goes up the sideline. Yes, they throw yeah, it to him, and he can't extend past this. It's like he had like elbows were like – uh, staple to his chest i don't think he's healthy and i'm buying deandre swift based on what i saw out of that game i think that the jamal stuff is real like deandre swift has issues as a rusher he's probably always going to be accompanied with either jamal or a jamal like presence but the justin jackson stuff to me is noise i think eventually he's going to be back to playing mostly the role we saw him play last year as that change of pace rusher tons of receiving work Yep, I agree. I like it. I'm, I'm again buying for Dynasty. I have been for a while, especially as soon as I saw his. Now I bought for too much, before, right before his uh, value plummet. But I'll live with it. Uh, look at 108. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop the slide. Traylon Burks. He's going yep. at 108. Oh, I like Traylon Burks. I actually love him at this point. Uh, I was gonna take him over where I took Kenny Pickett, but. Uh, Super flex value, even though Billy said, be a little more mindful. First round super flex value, I think, matters a little more. And I see room for Pickett to grow. I think he's, again, a lot better than I spent sitting four weeks t- taking a giant shit on his little baby hands. So uh, he's definitely proven that those baby hands can play ball. Uh, someone who doesn't have baby hands is Traylon Burks. Over the last couple of weeks, the man is blowing up. Uh, I'm happy that I acquired him at at reasonable cost before the blow up. And I love him here. I think here at this spot, he's he's weak winning at 108. So I will take Traylon Burks. Uh, I love the Burks pick. Uh, next pick is, is, is a couple guys I'm considering for sure. But I think the one I'll go with is Christian Watson. 
uh, Christian Watson is a guy that I was not super, super excited about in rookie drafts. And honestly, just like a function of, of like function of play style where I, when, when guys that I think have upside are falling, then I'm usually going to go for them. I traded for Christian Watson a ton in the first eight weeks of the season or so. Uh, and so I'm fortunate enough to have a lot more now than I did coming out of rookie drafts. The guy's just been legitimately good. It's like a small sample size in terms of what, you know, when I was referencing all of those fancy abbreviations in terms of, uh, you know, things that I'm trying to beat people over the head with that they may or may not care about. But what we've seen out of Christian Watson, 144 routes total. So keep that in mind. When we're talking about these other guys, Chris, George yeah. Pickens up over 400 routes. Olave and Wilson have run over 300. Derek London, 287. So there's a lot of volatility what we've seen in Christian Watson. But what we have seen is awesome. 2.45 yards per route run. Uh, rookies historically over two yards per route run is a really, really strong signal. He's over that along with Olave and Traylon Burks. 0.236 targets per route run. That's second highest in the class. Uh, and 11.3 points per game. So he's been scoring the third most points per game among rookie wide receivers, despite barely playing in his first stretch of games. Oh, so scores like five touchdowns on six receptions. Like he's just right. insane. The one thing that I want to hammer on with Watson is like, I do think that he's volatile. I don't think that he's like a locked in guy. His profile just from the stats that I tend to focus on looks almost identical to Burks. I think Burks is a stronger bet. That being said, uh, what I really would emphasize is that this isn't a matter of like a I've seen people call him like the Gabe Davis of this year. It's, his profile is a lot better than that. It's he's not just hitting touchdown luck. He is hitting touchdown luck, but he's also getting a lot of targets and more of those than usual are resulting in touchdowns. Will he keep scoring a bunch of 80 yard touchdowns? Probably not, but I do think he's going to continue to be really involved in this offense. Uh, and I think that he's a strong dynasty asset moving forward I would trade him for like an early to mid 23 first. The people are getting super duper excited, but I'm pretty content holding. I don't think that he's an immediate fire sale off of the hot streak. The hot streak might be real. Yeah, I agree. My biggest knock on him is that he looked like a, a, a someone who struggled to play the position he's listed at. And if he figures it out and learns how to play that position with his big man run fast, I think he's scary. And at that point, um, and he's definitely worth the spot. Billy? Yeah, Christian Watson, I think he's very good. I think we he's happier, a than, lot of the, happier than you were at the at the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's very beaten up. I think that that mm-hmm. kind of held back his start of the season. Um I do kind of want to push back because he's had a lot of touchdowns and those are historically not sticky. And I mean, but beyond that, like he, he's shown an, a legitimate ability to succeed the way the Packers need him to succeed right now. Like a, a big play player who also has serious potential after the catch. And I think the team can build around that as Rogers transitions into his later years. Okay. And your pick. Yeah. Uh, pretty. This one is tough for me. The, this is the first time I really felt like I was going to have a hard time taking the pick. I was worried I was going to have to, I was going to have to sit with London. Um, There's one guy I don't want to take here who I think a lot of people would take here. Um, There's also another guy guy here. Yeah. There's another guy that I want to take just so that I can talk about him. But given the way we've discussed, I think I'm going to be able to take him and the honorable mentions. So right here, I'm taking Rashad white. Um, I, I think Rashad white has serious potential if he continues to unseat the or to maintain 
this workload in the Buccaneers offense. A lot of people don't realize this. Leonard Fournette was the RB5 through half, like, week six. Uh, he was ahead of Brees Hall. And RB receptions or something. Yeah, Leonard Fournette was dominating to start the year. Yeah, and now, I mean, he – he kind of started falling off around the Carolina game. And ever since then, Rashad White has just been building up in workload. And we've seen when he gets the ball, he is such a talented player and he's always been a talented player. I mean, one of the, the lost episode of us reviewing tape on players, me and Tom, we talked about Rashad White. We both loved him. And I mean, like moving forward, I think he has every opportunity to keep producing here significantly. And I mean, running backs are valuable and a young running back who's just going to keep building up. I mean, good for Rashad White. Leonard Fournette, by the way, still an RB1 in points per game. I don't think it's that will last through another game, but he still is the RB12 in points per game at 15.5. So he's mm-hmm. hanging on. And a split a backfield with potentially Fournette not being there next year. If Brady sticks around, dude's going to be unreal. I have to stop oh, another slide here. Uh, I'm taking I'm taking JMO. I'm taking James. Oh, okay. He was the honor honorable mention I was going to take. No, I'm taking JMO and I'll tell you why. Uh, I highlighted this on the walkabout is one of my players that have been surprising before he started to practice. He moved himself up. If you go into keep trade cut, he moved himself up into the top 20 dynasty wide receivers before stepping onto an NFL field to even practice. Uh, I think that he's a great player and had he not blown his knee out, in the national title game, we're looking at a very different offense in Detroit and we're looking at a very different evaluation. I understand that Amon Ross St. Brown is an alpha receiver. He's elite. He's great. He's phenomenal. But in this spot, when it came down to somebody like Sky Moore or JMO, hindsight's 2020, and Sky Moore is not really looking like it, the explosive upside a player like JMO could be is worth the spot at 112. And 112, historically speaking, dating back to 2017, has been an absolutely smash. 111. Oh, my bad. Sorry. 111, not as smash. You picked at 11 your entire honestly. life. How could you get it? It's true. It's true. Because I always come in fucking second. Um, but uh, I, I'm happy to stop the slide here at 111. I think when it comes to the rest of the players on this list, he has the most absolute boom upside. Is he Gabe Davis upside? Is he Mike Williams upside? Or is he an absolute burner uh, who can also provide a 24% target share? Maybe he's just taller Marquise Brown. We don't know, but what I do know is he has great draft capital. He has a great uh, senior year um, Fast uh, production. Yeah. And the speed, if it's back, he warrants an elite pick here at 111. Upside, unreal. Yeah. I want to emphasize, by the way, just in case anyone misconstrued what I was saying earlier about Jameson Williams. Um, I still have the exact, well, obviously, I have the exact same take on Jameson Williams, the player that I had in the rookie draft season because we haven't seen him play. So I'm still I'm very excited to see him play. The only reason I think, I mean, this rookie draft illustrated it. The reason why I'm upset that I took as much JMO as I did at the time is that he did absolutely nothing. I uh, wrong and fell from like the consensus 106 107 to now the 111 because it was the other guys that we could have taken some chances on the only one who ends up falling past him that was commonly going around or near him was sky right versus guys like Rashad white and Pickens and Pickett who had the opportunity to see him move up but I still really like Jameson Williams um definitely who I would have taken at the 111 or the 112 if it had come to me um 
I guess this is it in terms of the last pick of this first round. And it's just kind of the way that the cookies have crumbled where I keep making these off-brand picks, alternating with on-brand picks. Uh, I'll take Damian Pierce. Oh, uh, I, that. Uh, I mean, look, I, I guess I'm just a well, gross person be, who takes gross players. Um, am I extremely excited to be holding Damian Pierce into the offseason? No, I mean, you've met me. I, I have feelings about day three running backs that uh, I continue to repeat into existence. But I'm just going to put that aside for now. And I, I think that Damian Pierce, despite poor results the last couple of games that are not his fault, has been a really fantastic rushing talent this year for the Houston Texans. Um, in terms of what he's capable of, in terms of his profile, I think he's really maximized it in an incredible way. The, tight, or the Texans have about a zillion needs. Running back is definitely not one of them. I genuinely hope that uh, he gets an opportunity over the next few years to really show what he can do, continue to grow, continue to be used more creatively in the passing game like he was at times at Florida. Um, I think he's a really exciting young football player in the NFL. And while I don't imagine he'll be doing it on a whole lot of my dynasty teams, uh, I look forward to watching him over the next several years very much. He's one of those players who's just fun to watch. Like, I, I don't know if I want to roster him a whole lot, but he is fun as hell to watch. Agreed, one hundred percent. All right, let's. Re- we're going to recap from one hundred one. We got uh, Brees Hall, Chris Olave, Kenneth Walker by Jacob, Garrett Wilson, Billy, myself, Kenneth Pickett at one hundred five. Probably the iffiest pick in this lineup. One hundred six is Drake London. One hundred seven, George Pickens, Traylon Burks. One hundred eight, Christian Watson. One hundred nine by Jacob. One ten, Rashad White. One eleven, Jamison Williams, and one twelve, Damian Pierce. Three picks for Jacob uh, that are off brand. We absolutely fucking love to see it. Let's do yeah, some roster a shit ton of Watson now. That one, that one, we've we've we swapped around that one. Uh, honestly, perfect time. I had like a tweet in like week six. I was like, now would be a good time to buy Christian Watson. And uh, it's like that Jalen Brown tweet. It was like the the the, the energy has shifted. <laughs> um, like yeah. The energy has shifted. Uh, but yeah, Pearson Walker. Don't don't roster a lot of them. 100. Let's do some really quick honorable mentions. We're just going to take one guy before we get out of here. We're at about an hour and 14 for the pod. Yeah. So, And Jacob, you got a five-hour pod to go and record. So yeah. uh, honorable mentions. Billy, let's start with you. Yeah, there's a guy that I know – like legitimately is going ahead of this player, but I'd be very off brand if I didn't talk about Greg Dulcich, the, uh, the best tight end in the class. Uh, the, the team's going to continue getting better. I mean, yeah. Uh, either Russell Wilson figures it out or he's not going to be the quarterback of the Broncos. And Greg Dulcich is young. And as a dynasty talent, he is a serviceable tight end right now. And if he ends up in the right situation, could become a stud tight end moving forward. Already a borderline top five dynasty tight end. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. No, I, I like Dulcich. Obviously, you were the Dulcich uh, table pounder. Uh, you were the you were first. I will. We will say you were you were first. I I, I agree. Things are thinned out, man. I like. I don't even know who to pick as honorable mention How? now. I was going to say Dulcich. Wait, whoa, whoa, then... whoa. There, there's a player that should be going over Dulcich. Okay, I might just okay. like I don't have. No he was drafted in the seventh round. Oh, I'm I'm not in on this guy at all. I don't care about this oh. guy. Tom can have him if he wants. Who He's the, the hell are you here. talking about? Tom, the Tom you're the Rutgers oh, guy. Here. Pacheco? Oh, no, absolutely not. No, not my honorable mentions. There's another oh. player that I like in my honorable mentions. Jacob, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. My honorable mentions will be Sky Moore, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, uh, back to back weeks of five receptions. Now that everyone is gone, 
And this could be a look at what the receiving core is more next year. We'll see what Kadarius Tony brings. We'll see who comes back. We'll see if Hardman is back. We'll see if they uh, keep MVS in his contract. We don't know what the receiving core is going to look like, but Sky Moore is finally getting involved. They've stopped forcing him to return punts for him to fumble. They've stopped putting him in positions to fail, and they've started putting him in positions to succeed. So I think with another year in the offseason, and depending on what happens in that receiver room and down the stretch, if he just gets a little bit more trust within the offense and with Andy Reid, like he has been, his targets have been nice. Rated good points of the field. Again, five receptions the last two weeks. We'll see what happens. Uh, right now, we're taking a big, fat, stanky L on Sky Moore at this point, but optimism approaches for 2023. Uh, I definitely would have taken Sky Moore with mine, especially once Billy took Greg Dulcich. Uh, you know, I'll refer to the chart again, 0.208 targets per run, 1.71 yards per run, 73 PFF grade. All of those things are good. Like I color coded the chart where it kind of just yep. scaled from green to red. It's what I and if you look at him, it's like, is the, the targets per run, the yards per run, or the yards. Yargets oh, yeah. for run. Uh, that's All hands like, on some, yeah. some annoying Twitter handle is about to be peddling Yargets the entire Yargets, his Yargets. Look, he's been when he's when he's ran when he's ran the routes, he's earned the Yargets. Yargets um, cruiser. Uh, the pirate. No, metric. I mean obviously the big red 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 cells are the routes uh, number and the points per game number, which of course are pretty linked. Uh, although the points per game number is also artificially low because he keeps fumbling punts and losing minus two every second game. <laughs> um, but anyhow. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think that like what we've seen on the field when he's played is not a reason to be out on Sky Moore. If people are like, yeah, but this dude hasn't played, I don't care about him. I think probably odds are that that'll wind up being successful. Me personally, I, I'm looking at a glass half full. I would rather have the guy who's at least not shown us on the field that he isn't good yet, as opposed to some of these other wide receivers who I think have kind of confirmed that they're bad. So I'm still optimistic about Sky, and I'm very optimistic about Greg Dulcich. Um, I think that's pretty much it for rookies that I'm like actively targeting at this point after those two guys, but I'll just keep it on brand. I guess with my honorable mention, I would have been pumped to make this pick at two, three, if he didn't tear his ACL. Um, yeah. So Wandell Robinson. That's what um, I was immediately expecting. Has been legit good this year. I mean, also limited routes, but 0.232 targets per route run 1.76 yards per route run. Uh, obviously a lot of it's short area, the field stuff. But in some of the, in the two games that he was particularly successful, he was getting not just gadget stuff, but real slot wide receiver targets. I mean, look, I'm looking at his numbers with two grains of salt now, unfortunately. One, you kind of have to be like, all right, this is the only playmaker in this offense. And, and he's primarily a short area of the field player. And two, being that he tore his ACL. But in terms of all these other options, it's like, who do I think actually put the best performance on the field this year remaining? To me, it's clearly Wandale over these other guys. So I'll ride with him. Um, I'm definitely still looking to buy him low. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, that that injury was uh, a pretty pretty massive bummer for sure. Yeah, it really sucks, especially off his. It seems like every time a New York Giants the middle of his best game, right? Game. Like that sucks yeah. so much. As soon as you hit 100 yards, you're out. Like that just seems to be how the Giants work. That field. Can we get a new fucking field for the two New York teams? Like they're two of the richest yeah. franchises. Can we replace that dog shit field? I am so happy that they 
produced like I, I couldn't remember what they said if it was a petition over there was something from the NFLPA that like requested the NFL get rid of that specific type of turf because it is just it's just fucking dog shit at this point we shouldn't be playing on like the old Houston Astros esque turf that just destroys players like it's they gotta know right they have data they have a bunch of nerds that they don't pay so. They they have the data. I, I think it's disgusting. That's a great, great episode. This is yeah. absolutely phenomenal. We've set up a a fantastic vi- uh, heroes versus villains. Uh, people VRTDB on George Pickens. I can't wait for that in the, in the off season. That's gonna be great. Can't wait to watch you guys go to battle. But that's it. I think that's the episode. That's just phenomenal. Also, shout out the NFL for flexing a good game. Uh, we have Dolphins and Chargers now Sunday oh, night. Uh, I can't. I mean, I'm just. I'll, I'm going to have a split window with one on the game and the other just on Emmanuel Acho's Twitter account. <laughs> That's fucking phenomenal. He, he already tweeted out, by the way. He immediately tweeted out that he has never been more excited for a sporting event in his life than to watch oh, a really? top five real quarterback play against the top five social media quarterback. So he's going to be in fine form that evening. Oh my God. I, I love it, man. It. Like I, I love it. He's, com- he's committed to the bit for sure. And, and I have to him. appreciate that. I love it. I'm going to be tapped in final <laughs> thoughts before we get the hell out of here. George Pickens wide receiver one. I love it. Jacob. Uh, <laughs> that really was his final <laughs> thoughts. Uh, I still believe the biggest thing I would, I would say to the masses that I still fully believe in Sky Moore and you should go trade for Sky Moore. Yeah, I've been actually getting him as throw-ins at this point, which I absolutely love. I got I got I got Sky Moore for um Isaiah Pacheco in a third. And I was like, yeah, I'll take that. Um yeah, absolutely love it. Look, my final thoughts are generally always the same. Fantasy football is an absolutely fucking brutal game. When it comes to winning and losing, relish in your wins and learn from your losses. And don't sit on your hands either. Even if your league has a trade deadline, which it should, uh you should always be planning and getting ready for the next season, keeping track of values. Don't just sit on your hands. Stay in contact, stay in communication, and have something to look forward to for the next year. Remember that it is still November until tomorrow and that you can go to Movember.com, go to Full Tilt Pod and donate. Mental health is very, very important, and having that awareness is clutch, especially this time of year. You live somewhere like I live in Winnipeg. We have huge rates of seasonal depression it is crippling here when it comes to things like that it's important to talk about the stigma that men can't talk about what they're feeling has to stop uh it's 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 absolutely brutal remember that you can reach out why i always say it's important to reach out to your loved ones even if you're not sure that they need it so you can do that you can donate you could not but always be mindful it's almost playoff time and i can't fucking wait let's enjoy this crazy week of football remember that clear eyes and full hearts can never lose in your best days will they always spend tilting good night everyone it was a pleasure